All right, we're getting things started. It is Sunday. I know that the Super Bowl is on today, so it's a busy day for a lot of folks, but I appreciate everyone tuning in um, for the Hashgraph Enthusiast News and Rumors Show. I've got my coffee here. Um, and yeah, that's how dedicated I am to this time slot for the show. I'm doing it during the Super Bowl. Um, so we got a very, very, uh, we've had an interesting week. Um, I'll say that. And I think that, you know, when we look at HBAR, when we look at Hedera, um, when we you kind of look at what's been happening, i just respond to a message here. It's happening live, folks. Um, really, like this previous, you know, seven days has been kind of nuts. Um, and I'd even say when we look at the last 24, 48 hours, um, it's been kind of crazy to see HBAR, what it's been doing in contrast to the rest of the market. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about, oh, are we, you know, decoupling or um you know what 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 could be causing this because generally hbar follows bitcoin you know as most other you know cryptos do and hbar kind of uh you know acted on its own a little bit so there's quite a bit to unpack um this week so the the other thing too is like you know we're live on twitter spaces with another week in hashgraph Let's take a quick look at what we're talking about today. So what we've got is um, obviously top story, Dell joining the governing council. Um, we're also going to be speaking with um, Citadel Wallet um, later in the show, which I'm excited about. They're launching a hardware wallet um, specifically designed for Hedera, Hashgraph, the good stuff. Um, we've also got some interesting follow-up to something I talked about last week in regard to MasterCard, Australia, um, all those different types of things. Um, we got a new partnership announcement out of Dovu. Uh, we got a cool new video from Upside Coop. We hear from Neuron for the first time in a while. For anyone new to Hedera, um, you know, Neuron is one of those OG use cases that we haven't heard from in a bit, so it's kind of nice. Um, we've got a bit of roadmap action on the official Hedera roadmap. Um, we had the test or sorry, the main net, my goodness, the main net was upgraded. Uh, we got some news regarding Google and some other stuff in the, uh, governing council meeting minutes. Jeez. What else we got? We got, um, we, we the other thing too is, you know, if folks are following the Coinbase story in the SEC, um, you know, I'll touch on that kind of stuff briefly because it's important. Um, and the network itself has been making some interesting moves, not talking just about the price of HBAR, or just particular things happening. We're actually talking about actual network metrics. Um, so that'll be a really interesting. Uh, Hedera posted a meme. Um, we are hearing for the first time, uh, I think actually literally the first time from the Creators Galaxy Protocol. Um and do, 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 what else? We've got some Atma IO news. We've got, um, let me see here. Also a Shopify breadcrumb, which I was really interested to see. Uh, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, it's going down. Um, and 
If you need to catch up on the previous week's news, head over to itsbrandond.com slash hbar where you'll find the previous episodes. Um, and yeah, the show this week, two down, one to go, obviously referring to, um, you know, the governing council members, right? If we recall last late last year, I think, Jane, CEO of the HBAR Foundation, mentioned that there were three new governing council members coming that had already been approved by the membership committee within the governing council. And he did say in a recent interview, maybe last week, yeah, it was last week, um, that, yeah, Aberdeen was number one of the three. Dell was number two. So there's one to go, right? And of course, there's 30 potential governing council members in the pipeline, but we're talking about the three, you know, this trifecta, if you will, that have already been approved by the membership committee within the governing council. So um, that's really interesting to keep in mind. Um, and, you know, I think what's on the top of my mind as we head into the week is kind of like, again, we're through a month and a half of 2023, right? Um, and you've got a quarter of a year, right? Which is three months. So we're halfway through, almost halfway through the first quarter of 2023. And there was all sorts of things regarding, you know, 80, over 80 use cases coming to the network, um, all of these different things. And so far, I mean, you could probably cherry pick something here or there that's fallen by the wayside or something. But when you really look at it holistically, when you look at the network, when you look at the community, heck, when you look at the price of HBAR, um, generally, you know, things are going good. I mean, um, are we happy with the progress? I mean, I'd say I am, but, you know, there's always different areas to improve. There's a couple we'll touch on today, uh, but overall, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, and it's funny, like, there's a big debate right now um, regarding kind of the, the, you know, the price of HBAR, which we'll, which we'll get to, but basically it's kind of like, is this a situation where, you know, we will have a strong move up, see a correction back down to kind of like that five cent area um, or retesting that six cent support that we established. Um, or, you know, is it, is it actually the case that new money is coming into the, you know, the Hedera ecosystem, specifically committee money, right? We talked previously about those boots on the ground at Davos, um, you know, learning about Hedera, um, meeting all of these different folks in the ecosystem. Actually, um, recently, Max Walker Williams did an interview. Folks that don't know, Max is like a you know community member has done YouTube, or as he calls them, the YouTube's interviews, um, which are fantastic. He did one recently with Zenobia from Swirls, who's the head of marketing PR. And Zenobia said something interesting. Um, this isn't a direct quote, but she said something to the effect of, um, when we were at Davos at Hedera House, there was the CEO of a major company that looked at the wall um, of that circle of governing council members, right? That are that are a part of the the you know these companies like Google and IBM and Boeing and Avery Dennison and all these folks uh, now you know Dell that govern the network, and that you know executive was looking at the wall and he said we should be up there. Um, and it definitely feels like there's more stuff to be coming out of Davos. And obviously people were there that make important decisions and those boots on the ground are coming back. Could that be, um, 
all those buy orders that we see on the books for HBAR? I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on it. But with that, good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, and I'm a developer, artist, and creative agency owner at Dirksen and Davenport Incorporated. And like all of you, I'm a Hashgraph enthusiast. Uh, it is Sunday, February 12th, and there's a lot to talk about. And welcome to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 64, two down, one to go. This is a weekly show that covers the top stories, covering everything related uh, to Hedera, HBAR, everything in between. Um, broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. If you're listening live, check out the Twitter thread pins at the top of the spaces, which I will do now, which I usually do at the beginning. I got a whole setup now. Now that it's on, I had to rewrite everything. The thing that I say at the beginning of the show, I had to like re like realign everything now with the show on all these podcast platforms and stuff. I'm using a different mic. Every Everything's crazy. I spent all day kind of like reworking everything. Um, so, uh, b bear with me here, folks. Also, I got a bit of a dry throat. It's been dry. Like it's winter here in Ottawa. Um, it's pretty dry. So I got my coffee, which probably isn't good for a dry throat, to be honest. Um, so if you see the, you know, pin threads at the top of the spaces, take a look, take a deeper dive into each story. Also, everybody listening, take a moment now to share the spaces, to let your friends know you're listening. The more, the merrier. You can click the little comment button at the bottom right of the spaces to ask a question or share something interesting that listeners might like to know. And I'll talk about it. As I mentioned, today's guest is Andy from Citadel Wallet, a.k.a. HBAR to the Moon. I'll bring him up shortly after we get over our main stories here. Um, also, this is a reminder to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community, a great way for Hashgraph newbies and early adopters to connect, team up, share knowledge and insights. The link to join that is in the thread as well. Um, and the show continues to grow from hundreds of listeners to thousands. And that's because of the fact that you guys take time out of every day to listen to it. I mean, I scroll down and I'm like, geez, these people could be watching the Super Bowl. You're crazy. Uh, but if you're listening, if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show, please consider making an HBAR donation. It helps me continually add value to the Hashgraph community and keeps the show ad-free. You can send a donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet, brought to you by listeners like you. So with that, I'm going to take another sip of my coffee. We're going to take a look at some stuff real quick. Metrica, what's going on uh, on the network here? What's all these numbers about? What does all these things mean? Um, well, folks, it looks like we're going to reach 4 billion transactions on the Hedera network tomorrow. I mean, I'm, I'm in Ottawa again, so it might be a different day depending on what time zone you're in. But in the eastern time zone here on the east coast of Canada, um, 4 billion transactions will happen in about, you know, 20 hours maybe. Um, we're running at a rate of about 50 million transactions a day. The mainnet is currently at 3,956,000,000 transactions. We're chooching away at 600 TPS. It feels good. Um, is 4 billion worth celebrating? I don't know. Is Hedera going to tweet out a celebration for 4 billion? We're going to be doing one of these every month. We're going to be we're going to be doing one of these every week at some point. So we really have to rethink um, what milestones we're celebrating because it's happening so fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing a maximum. Let me go to the last week here. 
Um, over the last week, we saw 330 million transactions. Average was 550 per second, and the maximum was 2700 per second. Um, the you know consensus time has remained pretty much the same, just flat at five seconds, not too shabby. Um, we've got 1.76 million total accounts created now, which is pretty interesting. Um, and let me see here. Yeah, we got a bunch of other stuff, but it's happening. Stuff's uh, stuff's popping off. Like if you look back at the end of 2022, it was a completely different world. It feels like we're in a completely different world. Also, um, Hedera on Coin Market Cap. We're now at number 28. Friday we were at number 30. Then we moved up to 29. Before I went to bed, we hit 10 cents while I was sleeping, and then when I woke up, we were at 28 on Coin Market Cap. So that's very cool as well. Uh, and everything's red. Everything's red over the last seven days. Um, you know, Ethereum red, BNB red, Cardano red, 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 red. H bar green. What does it mean? I don't know. That's it, this. This doesn't usually happen. Bitcoin red. Um, we're not following the game. We're not playing the game. Um, there was also a huge arbitrage opportunity of ten percent on Coinbase as well. So lots of wacky price action with hbar um, and if we look at the charts i mean guys i'm not gonna like talk a ton about the charts we have too much to get into today i have too much to do um but obviously things are looking very you know very cool um we i'll call it we did see you know that six cents support um kind of flipped a little bit you could argue um we we went up you know on near the end of january or 20th of january we rode up to that, you know, eight cents, right? Um, then we came back on the 24th, tested six cents, rode back up, came back, tested six cents again um, on the last day of January, the 31st, um, went up uh, and and kind of we've been, we've been seeing kind of a ride up um, all the way up to last night hitting a, just about 10 cents, you could argue that, depending on the exchange you're looking at. Um, and now we're back down at eight and a half cents, um, and, and, you know, there's really not too much you can predict here. There's not a ton for us to go off of. I, again, I mean, generally when we're looking at the H bar charts historically, um, it does what Bitcoin does. That's what most of these, you know, quote unquote altcoins do. Um, and we're not doing that right now. So I'd really, you know, I have no clue what's going on. Um, uh, but again, what I will say, uh, you know, in regards to the conversation I mentioned at the top of the show um, you know, I think that people are interested into where this investment could be coming from. Obviously, people are purchasing HBAR consistently. And um, to me, I did hear a lot of chatter after Davos, you know, of, you know, logically boots on the ground at Davos going back to, you know, all the relevant committees and pitching HBAR and Hedera and all of the interesting things that they saw and people that they met. And obviously those committees take time, but one week passes, two week passes, three week pass. And is this, you know, is, are these, these committees coming to consensus, opening some positions? Are these investors, um, you know, looking to do things? You know, I really don't know how else to explain it. Not financial advice. Saucer Swap Analytics is going to tell us what's going on with all these wacky and wonderful um, HTS assets that is crypto coins minted right to the layer one of Hedera. And 
Um, I'll be honest, over the last 24 hours, it's not looking so hot. Uh, we got Sauce down 7.5%. We've got Headstarter down 5%. We've got, um, let me see here, we've got uh, Lucky Token down 17.5%. Galaxy down 3.5%. Um, LCX down 7%. Stator down nine, uh, 8.5%. Uh, Dovu up 1%. Very cool. Jam up 18%. HBAR Suite up one and a half or down one and a half percent. So obviously it's not all doom and gloom. That's probably just a healthy correction from, again, some wacky price action that we saw over the last 48 hours. But worth keeping an eye on. Um, for the first time in a long time, my eyes back on the price. And not for the purposes of trying to figure out what's going to happen. Just because it's interesting, to say the least. So that's what's happening. Um, and community shout out real quick before we dive into our first stories, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to chat about Dell. Dude, you're getting a Dell. And then I'm going to bring up HBAR to the moon to talk about Citadel wallet. I'm really curious, but also too, just real quick, community shout out to Genfinity and uh, King Solomon, who are definitely key members of the Hedera community. They're doing a Hashentines spaces well they did over the over the weekend they had two one on saturday and one today they did quarter million h bar worth of prizes for the community across 30 projects heard from a bunch of them um and it was super cool and those initiatives are huge um you know we also saw the you know hedera discord get revamped we saw a bunch of stuff happen dead pixels mint happened um what else bunch of stuff i mean tons of things happening in the community um and you know the best the best thing to do right now again with with things going so crazy is keep up you know look for ways to stay in touch with uh you know community members that are doing things that you're interested in right that's what you got to do dell um wow steve todd my man um so off the top obviously this has been hashed over quite a bit this isn't a revelation. It happened earlier this week on the 7th. I woke up, new governing council member. Crazy. And I, you know, it's funny because when I look at Dell and I look at what they do, um, on the surface, a lot of people look at, you know, their computer mouse at the office and they're like, oh, it's a Dell and they got a Dell tower and a Dell monitor. And, you know, Dell makes computers, right? But also Dell acquired... Um, I believe it was EMC. Yeah. Yeah, EMC. Um, which basically is now like a major component um, of Dell, right? So um, EMC is a information security, virtualization analytics, cloud computing, and blah, 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 all those different crazy things. And Dell bought those guys and it positioned them as a completely different company, right? Um, Dell builds a lot of the plumbing of the internet. Um, they're deeply fo focused on edge computing, blockchain type stuff, all these different kinds of things. And a lot of things that I wasn't really aware of. I mean, Dell isn't isn't really like a, a brand that's talked about a lot in the Hedera community before they became a governing council member. It wasn't really top of mind for folks for... A governing council seat. Um, but one thing I will say about this governing council announcement is it happened 
very differently than previous governing council announcements. In the past, a governing council member would be added and, you know, an announcement would go out to, you know, the Hedera Telegram and then it would go to Twitter and there might be some press releases, but it was a little slow to the take, right? Um, And that's, you know, sometimes the case with some governing council member announcements. And a reminder, it's been really slow with these governing council additions, right? The priorities have changed um, that reasoning we've talked about at length on these spaces. But Dell was interesting. Um, it was kind of like a, a bit of a f- PR freight train. It was like Dell got announced, interviews went up, Coinbase art or uh, Coindesk article up, another article up, a press release up. Like, th- like it, it hit a lot heavier than I thought it would. Um, and one of the things that I really... Um, found a lot of value and was an interview that Steve Todd did, um, who is the uh, VP of data innovation at Dell Technologies, um, which operates under the CT, the office of the CTO at Dell, um, did an interview with Zenobia from Squirrels for the Gossip About Gossip podcast. And um, basically that, that was great. Like, I'd say, I, you could say maybe an hour after the official announcement, that interview went up. So we had an interview with a representative from that new governing council member talking about why they joined the governing council, what they're working on, all these different types of things. And one thing in particular that they talked about that I found interesting was um, data providence for, for edge computing. So Dell's really big in the edge computing space. Edge computing is just basically stripping away some gunk out of cloud computing, making things faster and closer to the surface. But the issue is when you have these types of networks and the types of networks that Dell manages, um, you want to be able to know where data was manufactured. Do you have the original data? Has it been modified? All of these different types of things. And these use cases operate really quickly um, at high transaction volumes across all different industries, right? And when you look at Dell's clientele and partners, um, it's pretty wide ranging. And with this particular use case, what Dell is interested in is basically um, looking at the Hedera network um, with this particular use case in mind, how they can basically leverage Hedera services like HCS to um, immutably record um, when specific data was created. So that way everyone involved would be able to know if they have the correct data or the data from a point of origin. Um, And as they continue working on that and other different types of things, what they want to do is they want to open source and make these different discoveries public so that way other companies um, can onboard and hit Hedera way easier. And they do seem like a really highly engaged governing council member, Um, you know, they, I think they have been in meeting minutes in the past. Um, they're, what they're working on, the mentality, just the tone I got from Steve Todd in the interview. Um, I, I like to say I'm a good judge of these kinds of things. And for me watching it, I got the sense that, um, they were, they were really, really interested in this kind of stuff. They're excited to set up a node. You know, one interesting tidbit as well is, um, I believe the original or existing specs for Hedera node specifically highlight Dell hardware. So d- there's no way around it. I mean, one thing that disappointed me 
with this announcement was how it was received by folks outside of the circle. Um, obviously, Dell isn't a sexy addition to the governing council, right? And also, too, there's a problem in the crypto space, in the Web3 space, where certain networks and use cases and platforms and products will partner with um, big companies, but sometimes it turns out that they're not actually real full-fledged partnerships, right? Um, it turns out that you you know you can't go to Starbucks and buy a coffee and then say you're partnered with Starbucks, right? And when we look at this news of Dell joining the Hedera Governing Council through the lens of somebody who covers the space more broadly, um, there was a journalist on CoinDesk that was uh, providing some commentary on this announcement with some other folks, and that was that was his take. Right, he said, "This is just another blockchain slapping some names um, as validators." And you know, of course, you know, maybe this individual hasn't done his research and looked into what the, exactly the governing council is and their capacity and how they work and all these different types of things. But that's the reality: is it's going to take a lot of time for um, the idea of what the governing council is and governance on Hedera to sink in more broadly. Um, also. Um, Another interesting piece of this story, um, before we move on, uh, I'll just bring up HBAR to the moon now as I continue down uh, and wind up this uh, this news of the Governing Council, is um, Shane, CEO of the HBAR Foundation, um, tweeted this, which I found interesting that I just wanted to, to pick out. He said, quote, we're particularly excited to work with Dell to develop dApps for mission-critical environments like edge computing. By making their findings public, Dell will pave the way for collaborative learning, enabling other high-profile enterprises to enter the industry with confidence. So really, this is what the purpose of the Governing Council is, right? A collaborative body of Fortune 500, Fortune 50 companies and universities and all these different types of things um, to collaborate and figure out how all this stuff works and create a pathway for other enterprises and, you know, um, organizations to adopt these kinds of technologies. And there's just something about this interview with Steve Todd for the Gossip About Gossip podcast that I just found really compelling. Um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, go check it out. It's like the Hedera. You can probably just search Hedera Gossip About Gossip podcast. You'll find it. I think it might be the latest episode. Zenobia is the interviewer. It's fantastic. It has a bunch of insights. It's nice and concise. It's like 20 minutes. Check it out. It is well worth it. So um, we're going to talk about wallets, specifically hardware wallets. And it's an interesting time to talk about wallets on Hedera because obviously we've got you know, multiple, we'll call them hot wallets, right? Software wallets like Hashpack and Blade Wallet and Walla Wallet and Kabila Wallet and all of the, all of the different wallets. Um, and we also have hardware wallets, right? They're used on other networks like Ledger and Tezos that support HBAR. Um, but the problem is, is that um, from previous discussions I had and also having the CTO of Hashpack, um, Tyler, uh, on, on as a guest previous episodes, um, when you look at blockchain and Hashgraph, they're, they're two really different technologies, and that can also factor into the adoption of some of these deeper network features on some of these other hardware wallets. So we're going to talk about 
Citadel wallet, and I've I've got uh, Andy up here. So really, uh, this is what's going on. So today I'm speaking with Andy Kulikin from Los Angeles, founder and CEO of Citadel Wallet. Andy's background includes over six years of experience in embedded systems development for highly critical, secure, and reliable industrial, military, and avionic applications. You may also know him as HBAR to the Moon on Twitter, one of the, I'd say, original Hashgraph influencers that was a first follow for many starting their Hedera journey, um, including myself. I was like, HBAR to the Moon? Uh, yeah, sure, I'll give you a follow. Um, and according to the official website, Citadel Wallet is developed from the ground up with Hedera's network architecture and technology in mind. It is perfectly built to support Hedera's native, uh, sorry, it is purposely built to support Hedera's native cryptocurrency HBAR and all other services unique to the DLT, such as native tokens, um, scheduled transactions, HCS, and more. The wallet is meant for everyday users, projects, and enterprises. Uh, and today we're going to learn a little more about Andy and his plans for Citadel Wallet. So, um, Andy, it's so awesome to have you on the show. Um, I've been keeping up with the news about Citadel Wallet. What you're doing looks really awesome. So, um, how are you doing? What have you been up to? Other than building a hardware wallet. Hey, Brandon, how are you? Uh, it's it's really great to be here. Thanks for having me today and giving an opportunity to talk about the project that I've been building. But like you know, like you said, uh, I'm first and foremost a community member. I'm a huge uh, fan of Hedera and an H-Barbarian. And I'm, I'm just excited to see, uh, first of all, past week was just so exciting. There were so many things happening in Hedera, Hedera ecosystem, really hard to keep up, uh, but uh, exciting at the same time. And for people who have been around for a long time, for us, it was probably, we, we could see this already coming uh, after a few years following the project and knowing and, uh, and following all the breadcrumbs and knowing what, what's about to come. Uh, for newcomers, uh, there might be a lot of questions and I, I'm, Really happy that you have this show, this episode, uh, this uh, spaces where you really dive into all of the news that comes out in, in this ecosystem and try to break it down and make it understandable for uh, the newcomers because there is really very different from anything else in this uh, uh, crypto industry. And there is a need sometimes to go a, a, a further in explaining uh, what does news mean? And like you said, the Dell news for us is huge, and it's huge for the internet just in general, for Web 2, Web 3, uh, but might not seem the most exciting news for uh, an outsider, thinking Dell is just making computers. Uh, why is it important? Or um, uh, why is it important for Hedera Network? What kind of value it's going to bring to Hedera Network? Uh, but I've been following all the news. I've been diving deep and trying to also from Twitter side of things, um, break it down for everyday listeners and supporters uh, as much as possible so they understand uh, what the repercussions of this um, uh, news are going to be in the future. Myself, I've been um, very passionate about the network, so I always wanted to build something on the network. Uh, so I've been building this hardware wallet, also having the background in hardware development for mission critical and secure applications that are much more complex 
and uh, uh, heavy on the requirement side than a hardware wallet that I'm building right now. But it just seemed like the reasonable next step for me to bring, uh, first of all, a, a device to the community that seems to be very important at this stage, especially with the native staking that was just released on the network with all the different types of services, NFT market taken off, DeFi uh, market taken off on Hedera. There's going to be a lot of value in people's accounts. And if those accounts are not safe and secure, uh, people uh, might lose a lot of their assets. Unfortunately, those uh, types of events have happened many times in the past. And there is still a lot of education to be done as well on how to protect your keys securely, uh, not just through hardware wallets, but in general. Um, uh, th there is some important steps that people need to learn and take. Even with software wallets, you, sh you will be able to protect your keys and be safe uh, if you follow those steps. But yeah, um, if, if you want, I can dive into some of the news that have come out and then talk about Citadel Wallet, uh, just to give my opinion about some of those things, what they mean for Hedera, or um, if you want me to dive into talking about Citadel Wallet, I can uh, do that as well. So we've got a lot of news to cover, and I'm super anxious to learn more about what you're doing with Citadel Wallet. So I want to dive right into that. But first... Um, a lot of folks know you. I mean, you've got like over 30,000 followers on Twitter. You've been in Hedera for a long time um, and your updates are great. It's it's an awesome way for, for people to kind of figure out like what's going on, what's happening in the moment. Um, but tell us a little bit more about, uh, you know, your background, Andy, and like how, how did you discover, you know, Hedera or even earlier, like how did you discover Swirls and Hashgraph? What, what was What was that journey like? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I, similarly to a lot of people, I started to get involved with the crypto industry around 2017, uh, when that uh, crypto bubble was going on. Around that time, Bitcoin was flying; it shoot all the way up to twenty thousand, from like three thousand within a few months. It was crazy. The, there was a lot of attention on crypto industry, but at the same time, a lot of speculation and hype. Uh, and at the time, it was the, the industry was so new. There were no NFTs, no DeFi, none of that. People were just interested in crypto assets. There, uh, some of these network, new networks were coming out at the time, promising uh, new things, new advancements in blockchain technology, new types of applications that are going to come. And at the time, uh, I, I also got involved, but I was looking for the, the application and use cases and utility side of things. Because uh, for some reason, naturally, I just gravitate towards utility and how much value these uh, networks are going to bring to people rather than what the price of the cryptocurrency is going to be. Uh, so I just started to dive into uh, all of those networks, researching, uh, looking into them and what they're promising and what they're actually capable of, and quickly realized that blockchain technology is not really the technology that is able to deliver on the promises that they're making. And a lot of those projects, uh, when you go, when I would go on their website, they would just focus on their uh, crypto, their crypto price. Um, they might have some white paper that was copied from Ethereum or uh, Bitcoin, but I didn't really see anything serious about those projects. Uh, they, they 
seemed very immature to me. But for, for some reason, because there was the bull market and the hype, they, they were taking off. And at that time, luckily, I, I learned about uh, Hedera. Actually, it wasn't Hedera at that time. It was Swords. I learned about it by accident, uh, started looking into it more. I, I found some videos on YouTube. Uh, with Dr. Lehman Barrett having uh, talking about Hashgraph consensus uh, algorithm and how revolutionary that technology is. And at the time, they were not even mentioning the public network. It was supposed to be a licensed private uh, service that they provide to um, enterprises and big companies uh, to build their s solutions on. But I, I kept following and I had heard some rumors that public network is common. Uh, so uh, right from that point, I was just a huge fan of the project, and I, I wanted to see where this goes because the possibilities and the potential of the network seemed unlimited uh, to me at least right from that, that point. And then when they started releasing more information about the public network, uh, I just created this account, HBAR uh, to the Moon account, because I knew for the type of the project that Hedera is, which is more enterprise focused and uh, large organization focused, which to some people in crypto industry means something negative. That to me actually means that they're building something that is going to meet the highest uh, uh, quality and performance standards available in the industry. And if, if they're building that network for enterprise grade uh, level and also making it available to public applications and uh, startups to build on, right from the get-go, startups have enterprise-grade security performance characteristics, and they can uh, uh, have the confidence that whatever they build on this platform is going to um, uh, ha have long-term, uh, is going to uh, leave long-term and benefit a lot of its users. It's going to be scalable. They don't have to worry about uh, frictions that the the layer one creates like so many other layer ones for applications have been building on these networks. That That's how my journey started. And I have been just tweeting about it, talking about it nonstop, uh, getting the word out. I knew Hedera is going to make it. I knew uh, this network is going to take over the world and become the trust layer of the internet. And I knew it's going to take time. And that's why I patiently... Uh, just uh, spread the word and at the same time thought about what else I can bring, how else I can uh, bring value to the network rather than just talk about it. I love that. I think that's, I think a lot of people, you know, had that trajectory is they learned about Ashgraph and become an enthusiast and talk about it and eventually go, I, I want to do something really tangible. I want to um, actually, you know, build something. And I mean, at my desk right here, I have one of your uh, one of your coins um, that I that's one of my cherished collectibles. Um, but moving on to the wallet and hardware wallets, I figured you'd be a really great person to ask this question for anyone in the community, uh, maybe that's just using a hot wallet, right, like a hash pack, or someone maybe on another network using MetaMask or something like that. Um, maybe. Maybe you could you could tell people kind of like how does a hardware wallet work for crypto and why are they important and different from one of these software wallets or browser based wallets? 
Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, hardware wallet is actually a companion device to software wallets. It doesn't really exist on its own. Uh, whenever you want to use a hardware wallet device, which is basically just a transaction signer, secure transaction signer device that protects your private keys. So the hardware dev uh, device is primarily just holding your private keys securely to make sure that it is temp tamper proof and nobody can access the wallet and take your keys away. But at the same time, from the software and application uh, perspective, you will need some kind of uh, uh, application to connect the hardware wallet device to, to then receive the, the messages that need to be signed, sign them, return back to that application, which then in its case can submit to the network. Uh, so the, the Citadel hardware wallet won't really exist in isolation. It's not going to be a standalone thing that you use. You will be pairing it with software wallets from the ecosystem and using it in, uh, in com uh, combination with those software wallets. So from the user's standpoint, it's actually, I, I've heard this question before, I'm really happy that you brought it up. Some people are confused saying, hey, why do, would I use Citadel wallet if I am using Hashpack? Why would I move from Hashpack to another wallet? Because I also understand it's people are getting used to one software wallet, they like the wallet, especially Hashpack wallet, is one of my favorite wallets in the ecosystem, and I am personally using the wallet on a daily basis. I wouldn't want to move from Hashback to another wallet. Uh, so the, the goal of Citadel Wallet is not to be an isolated wallet, but to be a companion to software wallets like Hashback. So when the user gets the hardware wallet, they don't have to go through uh, installing a new software wallet, trying to figure out how to use that software wallet, new user interface, new ways of interacting with the device. You will be still using the software wallets that you love and you've been using. And those software wallets already connect to all the dApps and applications that have been built on Hedera. You just need to go the extra step of just pairing the hardware wallet, which is the Citadel wallet, to the, uh, the software wallet, similar to what you were doing with your ledger. And now in, instead of signing those transactions directly from Hashpack. Every time you request to sign a transaction from Hashpack, it will send the transaction down to the Citadel wallet, where now user has control over looking at the, what is being signed and approve that transaction, physically pressing the button, and then signing and returning that message back to the Hashpack, which then submits to the network. So that's, uh, that, that's the basic concept be behind hardware wallets, and it's going to be a really easy and seamless process to uh, utilize um, integrating with the, the very familiar and favorite wallets that you already have. Right on, I dig that. So um, that's a great description of what hardware wallets are, right? They work with your existing wallet, like Hashpack, and mm -hmm. they just keep your keys secure so your keys aren't floating around on whatever other device you're using that is connected to a network or the internet or something like that. And I mean, the breakdown of the Citadel wallet hardware-wise from the website is um, an EAL6 plus secure element and secure microprocessor, which is an ARM dual M33 with trust zone, a rechargeable 200 milliamp battery, encrypted Bluetooth 5.2, 
Um, you also have NFC, which is interesting. We'll ask you about later. Um, you've got um, a 240 by 240 pixel color LCD touch screen. Um, it's got two buttons too. I love buttons. Um, a round design, stainless steel frame with some plastic. Um, but I mean, that's great. It seems like an awesome hardware wallet, but I mean, stuff when we look at the, the world right now with you know chip shortages and all these different types of things um what's your experience right now you know building a hardware wallet with all these other juggernauts out there like ledger and tezos um and can you provide insight in kind of like how one of these um are going to be made or if or if you've started making them already uh yeah sure uh, another great question and when whenever you're building a hardware device or an electronic device you you have to think about the supply chain aspect of things the man not just the supply chain finding the right manufacturers making sure that they meet with all the requ uh, quality requirements that you have for the device and uh, uh, for for citadel wallet itself actually with my background i do have a lot of experience dealing with supply chain issues on a daily basis and the hardware wallet that i'm developing it's much way simpler than what i have built before where i had to deal with thousand different components had to manage and make sure that we have all those components beforehand making those production uh, ready uh, devices and systems and de delivering to the customer uh, from the hardware wallet perspective it is a much simpler uh, from the hardware perspective, it, it is a much simpler device. It has just few main components like the secure element and the microprocessor. Everything else is very easy to procure and buy uh, off the shelf. And for those few important uh, chips on the device, we need to be very proactive and order those components way before we have started actually building the wallets and delivering it to the market. Uh, so on that end, we've been doing a lot of work, making sure uh, directly talking to the manufacturers of those uh, chips, looking at the lead times and the vendors that we can partner with to procure these components on time, reliably, knowing how many we're getting when and uh, when we'll be able to deliver these wallets to uh, customers. There is challenges. I wouldn't say there are no challenges, but being proactive and also me having all that experience already with the, uh, working in the industry for so many years, uh, we've got that under control. Uh, for, the, for the second question you asked if we have wallets already, we do have the wallet prototypes. And right now, a few of them are actually sitting on my desk. I, I do want to keep... I don't want to re release any pictures yet of the wallets. We have the, the electronic boards. We've been testing them, even signing some transactions. I haven't said this uh, uh, anywhere yet. We've been already signing transactions with the wallets, uh, testing the prototypes. So we're in a very advanced stage of development. These wallets are a month away, a month or two months away uh, from being assembled into uh uh, final looking wallets and for, uh, the only thing left to do uh, at that point will be to just finalize uh, finish all of the software and firmware development right now we probably have developed uh, 30 to 40 percent of the firmware uh, but we're uh, following six to eight months uh, we'll finish those up make sure that we do uh, security audits with the uh, third-party vendors make sure that we meet the security standards 
but besides that, we we've been putting a lot of effort on the security side of things. And as you can uh, tell, this is a security focused device and uh, security is number one priority of ours. We have a great team of software and firmware developers. We'll have some announce announcements coming on, on that side of things that are building the, the software of the wallet. And we also have, uh, we also are working with the security expert consultant who has built uh, pay, uh, banking payment systems, has built smart cards for uh, banks and knows all the security critical uh, things associated with those types of uh, critical systems and applications. And I'm really happy about all the team that we've got together to build the firmware. And uh, with my knowledge, I have built really secure hardware uh, from the hardware standpoint. And the mechanical, I just wanted to for it to feel and look and feel like a very premium device. Uh, so far in blockchain industry, the, the hardware wallets have been very cheap looking and not really premium, not really enjoyable to use, uh, like looking like a USB stick, for example, with a small screen, uh, very hard to interact with. And from my own personal experience of having frustrations using these devices, um, I was like, when I when I build a wallet, uh, it has to meet certain standards uh, existing in the industry already. When you have devices like iPhone and Samsung's uh, smartphones, uh, you cannot <laughs> build a security device that looks like a USB stick. It, it, there has to be an advancement there too. And th those are all the things we've been working on. That's awesome. Now you mentioned, you know, you're developing firmware and different software elements of the wallet, of course. Um, and I noticed you're working with Launch Badge. Um, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but Launch Badge also developed some of the um, things for Hedera, like um, the certain software elements required from Ledger and um, other different things like that. So you're also working with Launch Badge on aspects of of Citadel Wallet as well. And so, so the Launch Badge. Uh, initially, we started looking uh, working with Launch Badge, but for different reasons. Uh, I had moved on to working with another software team, which uh, I, I just mentioned, we will have some announcements coming up. But LaunchBadge has an amazing team. They have built amazing uh, applications on Hedera, and I'm still in re very good relationships with them. But the software team that I'm working with right now to build the firmware for the wallet is different. And it, they are also from the community, and people know them. We just haven't made any announcements on that end, and that, that will be coming very soon. But again, the team I'm working with right now has a lot of experience with Hedera. Everybody knows them. Uh, they have been building applications, important critical infrastructure applications on the network. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share the news uh, uh, about that very, very soon. I'm already trying to think of who it could be. I know you probably can't <laughs> tell us yet, but... Um, that's interesting. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Very interesting. Um, so one of the elements of the wallet that's really interesting to me is the NFC stuff, right? The near field communication stuff, which basically means that you can hold the wallet. From what I understand, <clears throat> you could hold the wallet physically um, within four centimeters of another object that's NFC enabled and have the wallet perform some kind of action. So obviously my ledger doesn't have that. 
Um, I, it, I, I can't really rack my brain to think of other hardware wallets that have that really. Um, so what's the thinking behind, you know, NFC in a, in a hardware wallet, a hardware crypto wallet, what are the use cases? Like what's your thinking, um, behind that? Yeah. Yeah. NFC is, uh, one of the features that I wanted to implement on this hardware wallet right from the beginning. That's why from the hardware standpoint, we do have all of the necessary, uh, designs and architectures put in place. Uh, for, uh, to enable the NFC whenever we're ready. Uh, the initial version of the hardware wallet is not going to support the NFC yet because we we think uh, the NFC is not that much needed uh, in the industry at the moment. But like you said, NFC is the a, a short distance communication protocol that you just, it it operates between, it can operate between the cell phone, which has NFT and NFC uh, host capabilities and it can communicate with something like Citadel wallet when you can just hold it on the back of the phone, uh, quickly communicate with it and sign the transaction. It's going to be very convenient and easy to use. Uh, the only thing is it's a short distance communication and NFCs are used a lot in payments. Uh, one of my goals for Citadel wallet in the long-term future is to enable the NFC payment option so you could use the the hardware wallet itself not only uh, for signing transactions directly on Hedera network for nfts native staking hbar transfers but also usdc stablecoin is going to be one of the uh, most used assets on Hedera network Hedera is going to become a payment network similar to visa or mastercard and usdc is going to be the stablecoin currency being trans transferred on the on Hedera network. So in the future, I can imagine a stores, a physical locations, merchants accepting a USDC payments as well um, on Hedera. And when, when those kinds of uh, app, uh, uh, use cases are enabled, we can quickly enable the NFC functionality on the Citadel wallet as well. So you can use it as a credit card, you just go tap it, make the payment uh, of your USDC and buy whatever you're buying. But that's more of a long-term goal. I'm also really excited about this NFC uh, functionality. And like you said, not a lot of hardware wallets have this uh, feature built into it. And primary reason is because their hardware is not capable of supporting NFC uh, off, off the bat. They have to make a lot of changes to their hardware. They have to change their electronics because right now a lot of these hardware wallets are using, um, although they're using secure elements, but the gen, uh, the microcontrollers, which are the bridge with the external world, uh, these are very generic components that they're using. Our uh, microprocessor is the cutting edge. It just came to market last uh, few years, and it is, it is filled with all kinds of different security features, and communication features, including NFC. Are and you, I'm really, for this, for this, are you referring specifically to that um, that ARM dual M thirty three? Yeah, yeah, right. So ARM, yeah, ARM uh, is uh, is the architecture. M thirty three core is the architecture, but there is multiple different manufacturers that take the ARM core architecture and build microprocessors based on that. Now, some manufacturers might build the microprocessor with certain set of features, 
and others might make one with more security focused uh, security features in there and also other uh, other interfaces and communication options uh, the one we have selected is uh, filled with all kinds of different features that are needed for hardware wallets specifically and i was really excited to find that kind of a uh, I secure iot uh, device focused microprocessor which enhances the security of this wallet uh, beyond what we had we had expected right on i take that so now moving on to kind of the other side of things so when we look at other hardware wallets like ledger um they like you know they have years of you know track record under their belt i think the biggest challenge for citadel wallet will be entering the space without a track record like that what would you say to somebody hesitant to switch to Citadel Wallet from, let's say, a Ledger or Tezos device, because maybe they have trust with that other product, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, how how do you think about that challenge? Because I can definitely see that coming up, and I'm curious to hear your your thinking about that. Uh, yeah, that 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 question comes up a lot. I mean, when Ledger was starting, they didn't have a track record either, right? So they had to start uh, from somewhere. And if if I wasn't up to the challenge, I would probably just give up on the project. Uh, With my background, I mean, from outside, it might look like uh, just a guy who's following Hedera is building a hardware wallet. How secure is that wallet going to be? But knowing myself and the background and the experience that I have and what I'm able to bring to the table, having that security focused background. Uh, I think what we're building is way more secure than Ledger, and I have really dived into what Ledger has built. Uh, uh, There's two different aspects to security, like I mentioned before. There's the hardware side of things, which we have hardware components that are way more secure than what Ledger has on their hardware wallet. From the security, uh, from the software side of things, you, of course, need to develop a very secure firmware so it it eliminates any chance of hackers getting into the wallet through software attacks. And there are tens of uh, different types of software attacks that are possible um, when the wallet is in the user's hands. And then there is also types of attacks possible uh, when the wallet gets into the hands of the hacker. Then they have more uh, time and um, uh, ability to open the device and uh, uh, perform all kinds of different power glitching and other different types of attacks, la- even lasers, uh, to be able to to crack the device. What, did you did you say lasers? Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah. Some of this hack. I mean, we right now internally we have a document, uh, which is like a, about thirty pages long, listing all of the different types of attacks that have been performed on different uh, on this hardware wallets or not just hardware wallets all kinds of different payment systems and payment focused uh, devices because hardware wallet is new to crypto industry but to banks and uh, for example companies like mastercard and visa they have been dealing with secure devices all the time edge devices point of sale devices that need to be very highly secure to interact with their private networks. So these are not new uh, kind of devices. They're new to crypto industry. And the, the, the 
security expert that I was mentioning we're working with, he has a lot of experience about these types of attacks and the architecture that we have created to uh, make this wallet as secure as possible. Uh, we are going to meet and exceed people's expectations. Right on. I dig it. I dig the confidence. And you're right. I mean, you have to start from somewhere. Um, and this is, the, this is the way to do it. So, and, you know, and just reading up on your experience and I'd also encourage people to, you, you know, um, Andy did a great um, interview or I, I guess presentation or pitch um, a, a couple months ago for the HBAR Foundation Investors Pitch Series. So go watch that. It's a great watch if you want to kind of dive in a little more into uh, what Citadel Wallet is focused on. But I have to ask as well, you know, this is an HBAR specific, you know, a Hedera specific wallet. Um, oh, I think we lost. I think we lost Andy for a second there. There we go. Do I have you, Andy? I think we lost you for a second there. That that's okay. Don't worry, it's okay. Um, the what I was going to ask you is, um, I was just pitching. I was just telling people about your your investors pitch that you do with the H Bar Foundation that they should go watch that. Um, but the the other question I have for you that's obvious is, I mean. Um, of course, this is a Hedera specific wallet. Is your intention to support um, other networks besides Hedera down the road? Uh, so me personally, I'm a huge believer of Hedera and everything I do is Hedera focused. Hedera is the uh, highest priority for Citadel wallet. And initially, we're definitely going to support everything Hedera focus, all the Hedera services, Everything that you've been doing on Hedera, you should be able to handle through the, the Citadel hardware wallet. If you ask me personally, if I want to support other networks, I would probably say no, uh, because uh, I, I personally think that there is nothing like Hedera out there. And I, I want to build a device that people enjoy using. And if I, the device is going to be used with a network that is slow, expensive, all of those and, and unreliable, that's going to directly affect the user's experience and um, lower the 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 idea of uh, about the device itself uh, from the user uh, perspective. Uh, but I I do I, I don't want to make that decision of what other networks we can support on this wallet in the future. Uh, that's why I have come up with a kind of a, a way. A, a, it's not a new way. It's a Web three way of making decisions which you bring the community members to uh, participate in that kind of a decision-making process. And the NFT project that I've been building on, on Citadel Wallet, uh, those NFTs will come with voting powers. So people who hold those NFTs in the future uh, will be able to propose uh, what other networks they would like to support, uh, 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 bring support to Citadel Wallet and the community who holds those NFTs will be able, able to vote on that proposal. And if the community wants to add some other networks, um, a, a lot of people from the community love Hedera and support Hedera, but they also uh, support other networks. And if the majority um, wants to make that decision to add support for other networks, we'll implement uh, uh, other networks as well in, in the kind of farther uh, future. But to me personally, there is nothing like it there out there. And uh, that's going to be the main priority uh, always. Right. A hash graph enthusiast, if I ever heard one, <laughs> um, I dig it. Um, so 
just uh you know one or two more questions before before i let you go here um so you mentioned in in the past i watched a couple interviews you know enterprise grade citadel wallets um would this be a different version of the product or you've mentioned quite a few times like even on the website too like a, an enterprise type wallet um little curious to hear more about that i know that's probably further down your roadmap but curious yeah 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 definitely further down the road uh but because we're building such a secure and multifunctional wallet specifically focused on hedera and we know hedera has a governing console with a lot of dif different companies that might be interested in this type of a device we do have plans plans in the future to have white label versions of the wallet and maybe if the if the enterprise needs this kinds of a device for their internal key management or, or whatever their reason might be they could have their their uh, own brand uh, brand named uh, citadel wallet with added features maybe they need some kind of extra features for their specific applications and we can develop those for those customers and have their brand printed on the wallet that will be white label product for uh, that company on, or organization itself but that has been the goal right from the beginning and that's why we want to set the standards so high right from the beginning because if we have the plan and the goal to reach out to enterprises in the future we cannot build a device that is mediocre or average it's just uh, limited to signing crypto transfers we have to think about the long-term uh, features and benefits that it could bring to so many other industries not just web3 crypto industry and that that's what we've been working on um uh, and that's the goal in the long term right on i'm going to ask the question that's on everyone's mind now um, as we wrap things up uh how much is a citadel wallet going to be and when will i be able to get one yeah so uh, in terms of timelines uh we are like i said in a couple of months we'll have the wallet in hand uh, fully assembled looking like the final wallet with initial set of features already pro programmed into it we'll have some demos um, and pictures available for the community to check it out uh, we'll sign transactions uh, we'll have pre-orders coming up uh, very soon in march when when the wallet is available so we can share with the community uh, show uh, demo it to the community we'll have some pre-orders in march uh, through nfts that's the nft project that i've been building on citadel wallet uh, as well so th those nfts will come with a lot of privileges including people who own those nfts will get the wallet when it's available in the market uh, Price-wise, uh, we'll have the white paper uh, released very soon, which will include the price. I can't uh, say anything on the price um, yet, but it's very competitive with the market. We have looked at all the different hardware wallets available, all the features supported, and the pricing, and have come up with a, a fair price for our wallet, which is uh, which has much more uh, functionalities and features built into it. Um, and then go to market uh, plan is, uh, I would say, six to eight months after the pre-orders. So that, that will happen probably September, October. 
uh, timeline. That's the goal right now. Um, and we're uh, working really hard uh, to to meet those deadlines. Well, Andy, that's awesome. I would tell people to follow you, but I'm pretty sure everyone listening is already following you. <laughs> but um, I'll say it, it, you know, before before I let you go here, is there any other um, cool stuff you wanted to tell uh, folks listening to the show or any anything people should check out? Uh, related to Citadel Wallet, I would uh, I would say check out also our Discord because we have a lot of information about the NFT project as well that's being built on uh, the Citadel Wallet company, uh, the, the real business, uh, and it's going to I think it's going to be a very interesting example for a lot of traditional companies and Web two companies how to utilize NFTs to bring in. Uh, early uh, bring in early supporters of the startups or uh, projects to participate in in that project to help the project grow over time but also over time benefit from being part of it right from the beginning we have big plans for uh, because it's hedera focused i want to make sure that all the uh, community members who've been around for a long time do decide to uh, become part of the the project and nfts are going to be a, a great way uh, to bring them in and uh, uh, give them also a lot of uh, utility to NFTs, which is built on an actual uh, business, which my goal is to make it a, a, a business that is going to sell wallets to millions of users in the future. That's where Hedera is headed. That's what we're, we've been seeing with all of the news coming out, with all the use cases. That's the goal. We're not shooting for uh, small goals. Uh, that's the long-term goal. And if uh, I would love to uh, for the early supporters to be hardcore OGH barbarians who really understand this network and understand this value. I dig it. That's awesome. Well, Andy, thank you um, for uh, stopping by the show. I'm going to move you back down to the listeners as I rip through the rest of the news for the week. Um, but re- really, really appreciate you taking some time to stop by. Uh, thanks a lot, Brandon. It was it was a pleasure uh, to be on your uh, show. You've been doing a great job, and thanks for uh, pushing Hedera uh, from uh, your uh, with your own way of uh, doing the spaces and going through the news, breaking it down. I think it's it's very valuable for everyone, and I also appreciate as a community member what you've been doing. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. That's awesome. Well, um, Citadel Wallet uh, coming this fall with uh, you're going to get some NFTs, uh, you know, some pre-sale actions pretty soon. Um, I dig it. I mean, I've got a ledger. It doesn't do a whole lot. I want my NFTs to be safe. So Citadel Wallet to the rescue, it seems. I dig it. I dig it. Um, so yeah, what else is going on? Um, I mean, we've got a lot of just, it was so funny when I started these spaces, um, it actually wasn't Twitter spaces when I started this show. Um, I actually started Hashgraph Enthusiasts News and Rumors on Clubhouse before Twitter spaces existed as a live show. I love doing it live because cool things happen. Very often you'll be listening to the show and someone interesting will be listening and I'll bring them up and catch up with them. I did that a couple of weeks ago with John from Bank Social. Um, but 
And if John tunes in, sorry, I can't bring you up, John. I have too much to talk about. Um, but it's funny because years and years and years before I came across it or anything like that, um, in you know 2008 to 2012, I actually was running like a 13 editor technology publication. And I love doing the news. I love doing live shows. I love doing all these things. Um, and I just haven't been able to for, it feels like 10 years. So now with this show for the first time in 10 years, I'm doing the news again. Um, and I love it. And I'm doing it about something that uh, I really enjoy, that I'm passionate about, that I'm an enthusiast of, you could say. Um, so I really appreciate it. And I mean, every time I do these Twitter spaces now, it's like hundreds of people listening to them, which blows my mind. And I mean, I've had a couple episodes that are like a couple thousand people. It's crazy. Lots of great guests. Um, and again, I got requested over and over and over again to bring, like we do these live on Twitter spaces, which is great. Uh, not a ton of people in reality are on Twitter or Twitter spaces. I mean, most folks listen to these types of shows on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or uh, YouTube is a big one. So that was a big request. So this episode, the recording is going to be available on all of those major platforms, um, which I'm excited about. And it you know, keeps going along. So I really appreciate um, everyone listening, supporting all these awesome guests that I've had, um, including Andy. So it's awesome. But what also happened on the 7th when Dell became a governing council member of Hedera. Let's go back to the 7th because the 7th was an insane day. Um, I think that there's something about, you know, the 7th that just kicked off a bunch of stuff. Um, so obviously Dell became a governing council member. Also, uh, there was a little announcement from PixFi. Yeah, PixFi. And they put out a teaser that basically states um, they're going to be bringing all of your NFTs into one place. Uh, if you go to the PixFi website, um, oh, it doesn't say anything. I think it's broken. Uh, PixFi, if you're listening, uh, I want to talk about what you're doing, but there's a circle. Luckily, your tweet has some information or a tweet from your profile page has some information. Let's see. Yeah, all your favorite NFTs in one place. So they've got um, Algorand, Ethereum, Phantom, Hedera, Solana, all those different types of things. And what could this be? I mean, is this a marketplace? Is this an aggregator? Is this a wallet? I, I don't know what it could be, but um, PixFi underscore official on Twitter is putting out some teaser, PixFi.io, P-I-X-F-I. No idea what it is. Uh, seems interesting. Check it out. Wanted to highlight it. It happened on the 7th and was, uh, you know, forgotten with the Dell announcement. So I wanted to give it, give it a fighting shot. Um, also, too, on the 7th, right, the day that Dell was added to the governing council, we also had a bunch of interesting developments surrounding MasterCard and Hedera. And when you see those two words beside each other, those two companies beside each other, I feel like my heart's going to beat out of my chest. And I'm like, what is going on? Because in a Telegram group, I think it might have been the HBAR Foundation Telegram group, uh, Rob Allen said the following message, and I'll just read it verbatim because you got to know this whole story. Um, he says, in response to a tweet, uh, or sorry, a message in the in the uh in the telegram that was kind of referring to, um, you know, supply chain stuff and in Australia and different things. Um, Rob Allen says, quote, 
MasterCard have decided to sunset their Providence, uh, in brackets, private permissioned uh, blockchain uh, product. Uh, and FSCO came to us to explore ways of moving off of it, it being you know MasterCard's Providence product, and onto Hedera. They love the sustainability focus of Hedera and the API-driven approach using HCS and HTS made the transition very easy. FSCO were the biggest user of Providence, but there are a number of other businesses on it, all of which have now been given an example of how to move to a new platform with minimal disruption. It has also boosted our relationship with MasterCard. All in all, another awesome Aussie Hedera success story. What's going on in Australia? Lots of HBAR stuff, apparently. Um, and so FSCO, FSCO, what, what's FSCO? What is that? Um, so Fresh Supply Co. Um, is basically, let me, let me go on their website here because this is really interesting. So they do kind of like, you know how Avery Dennison, we talk about Atma.io doing all the supply chain stuff and everything like that. These folks are, 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 are kind of, you know, focused on, um, food, right. And they were using MasterCard's Providence system to, um, do specific types of things, uh, track different types of purchase orders, how those different ingredients get combined into different food products, all these different types of things. It does seem like a perfect um, use case for HCS on Hedera, similar to Avery Dennison at MyIO. But obviously, they're having a great time on MasterCard's Providence system until that system was discontinued. Um, so... David, CEO of FSCO, um, responded to my tweet about this. And he says, quote, we will maintain the same MasterCard's payment functionality, but writing the events to Hedera. There will be more to share very soon. Significantly more payments and finance capability coming, shared at the right time very soon. So this guy, David, has been all over Twitter now um, talking about these different things that he's doing. He's been, he was in a recent HBAR Foundation space that I was speaking in as well. And he really elaborated much more on what this was about. Um, and essentially right now, um, you know, certain aspects of this platform that he's a CEO of, like I said, well, you know, you'll have purchase orders, you'll have ingredients combined, you'll have food products being moved around and all those different pieces of functionality um, including MasterCard payments, um, were obviously done on the MasterCard Providence system. Well, those are going to have to be done somewhere else. So their system and, 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 you know, I don't know what exactly you'd call it, their suite of tools and software that can process MasterCard payments and supply an endpoint to a DLT, they're going to plug that into Hedera. So basically we will start seeing MasterCard payments written to the Hedera network um, through this use case and potentially other folks using these platforms. And this is really, really interesting um, because we, of course, have seen MasterCard breadcrumbs for a long time, right? There's a part of me that doesn't even want to say it, right? We've got two down, one to go, right? We had three governing council members. We had Aberdeen and Dell, could, I'm not even going to say it. 
Not even going to say it. Not going to jinx it. But it's interesting. Um, Tom Johnson on Twitter also says, um, Atma uses MasterCard payments or MasterCard provenance for food supply tracking. They only use um, Hedera for carbon tracking and are still cranking 500 TPS. MasterCard provenance is sunsetting and FSC uh, is the biggest user of MasterCard provenance is moving to Hedera. Prediction. This is the prediction. Atma expands use of Hedera to include food supply tracking, adding another huge step of TPS. Could that happen, right? Could Atma.io leverage this new technology that um, that uh, FSCO is going to be bringing, right? These integrations of MasterCard, being able to write MasterCard payments to the network um, and doing these different types of things for the for the food supply tracking. I don't know. It's really interesting stuff, and this has been a developing story since last week. Um, and we continue to watch it. And the CEO of FSCO is David, right? He is at D underscore I-N-D-E-R-I-A-S on Twitter. Follow him. He's very active. He's saying a lot of interesting things and responding to people. He's online and plugged in. And it seems like he's one of these folks that have been building quite a bit and is now embracing the Hedera community. Um, and it's no joke. You know, right? This is a guy who has a platform where you know eight hundred thousand dollar purchase orders are put in through something, and that's sent as a record to blockchain. So um, these things are going to be happening on Hedera. They seem very certain and very excited. Um, also, Rob from the Ishbar Foundation also seems very excited, um, <clears throat> and this just further puts another spotlight on Australia. Oh, you know, at the bottom of the coffee when you get all those coffee grounds, at the I'm doing pour over coffee. Oh, yeah, I'm going to switch to uh, my soda water. That's gnarly. I really bunged up that coffee. Um, but yeah, lots of interesting things are happening in Australia in regards to Hedera. Um, we've seen so many different tweets and announcements in regarding payments infrastructure. Um, we talked about a lot of that last week. Go back and listen to that episode. Um, but Australia is a spot to watch, guys. Um, it's it's a really interesting series of events unfolding there. Also a very interesting series of events unfolding and an announcement done on time, which is news within itself. Guys, we have a use case on Hedera that made an announcement of an announcement that happened on time. Uh, recently, a couple episodes ago, I interviewed on the show CTO of Dovu official, Matt, um, and at that time, on that day of the episode, Dovu tweeted out, um, partnership announcement coming first week of February. Right? Well, um, what? actually, let me hold them to it. What day did they announce it? On the 7th. So, exactly one week into, fe- into February, Dovu announces their partnership um, with Timeless. So, uh, Timeless, Dovu, both carbon offset credit platforms. And what this announcement is, is um, announcing the successful integration of the Timeless platform with Dovu's carbon credit platform. This integration will enable customers to fully, uh, sorry, to purchase fully verified carbon credits directly through the Timeless platform. So this is really big stuff. And this is some more um, very important connective tissue 
of the ESG vertical in the Hedera ecosystem. And we've been seeing the HBAR Foundation hitting this hard. Um, you could argue that the carbon offset ESG use case vertical is kind of like the tip of the spear for the HBAR Foundation right now. And it's going deep. It really is. Um, and this partnership is good to see. Dovo has been you know, a use case on Adair for a very, very, very long time. Uh, Timeless, again, an Australian juggernaut. Australia, folks. Stuff's going down. Down under. I don't know. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, upside Dow, talking about down under, now we're going upside Dow. Or I guess not upside Dow anymore. They rebrand to upside co-op. It's not Dow's anymore. It's co-ops. Dow's are so 2022. It's old news. Now co-ops are the cool thing. So upside.coop released a cool video, really doing a great job of breaking down uh, something we talked about previously on the show in regards to their platform, which allows a company, or let's say going the other way, a let's take, for example, an NFT project, right? To incorporate, you know, have a, have a corporation and also create a cooperative and issue ownership of their corporation to that cooperative and in part have the community as part of the cooperative that owns a part of the corporation. So basically you'd have legal ownership of um, your project circumventing uh, securities laws. I assume asterisks, this is my area of expertise, read their white paper, um, but also watch this little quick video. It does a great job of summarizing what they're working on. I shared it to the Twitter thread, pins at the top of the spaces along with everything else. Check it out. It's very neat, very cool. Um, neuron drones flying through the sky, internet of things, devices. Is that my toaster? Is that my microwave? Um, we don't know, but maybe we're going to find some stuff out soon. So neuron, we've talked about them on the show like a year ago. Um, and what they were working on is a use case involving drones. The issue with drones is there's not a very easy way to track where they are. So your plane doesn't crash into them, um, or something, you know, something of the like. And what they're doing is, or we're doing or are doing, we don't quite know yet, is they were leveraging the Hedera network to basically record transactions to the network of where all these particular drones would be and create more, create less of a fragmented environment when it came to um, tracking all these little things flying around. Because if you can accurately do that, then you can basically allow drones to fly around, ensuring that they're not going to crash into each other or into planes or anything like that um, and, you know, allow them to fly way more autonomously. So Neuron tweets out, quote, uh, also happening on the 7th, right? I just want to highlight again, this was also on the 7th, the day that Dell was added to the governing council. You may have noticed that we have been quiet recently. This is because our team has been flat out building something that we believe is going to cause a big stir in the blockchain space over the next few years. Hardware, check. Software, check. Follow us for updates, dot, dot, dot. Uh, so I'll be following you for updates, Neuron, and we'll hopefully I'll be talking to you soon. Maybe I'll have you on the show. I'm curious to hear what you're working on, if drones are still in, or if you're going to be, you know, doing something with my, you know, my microwave or my toaster or whatever. So uh, keep me posted. Um, but Neuron, keep an eye out. They're back online. They're back on Twitter tweeting about stuff. Um, so an interesting and maybe, uh, I'm not going to say a bummer development, but an important conversation to have. 
and I'll preface it with this. Um, I was actually on the Hedera community call in their Discord uh, that, I don't know, I guess they're not going to replace the community town halls. I have no idea. But anyways, I was on a call with some of the Hedera team and some other folks and talking about things. And one of the things I mentioned is um, in years past, especially when we got the HBAR Foundation, we had been and kind of still are living in these two different worlds. On one side, we've got Hedera, HBAR Foundation, Swirls, you know, the 26 other governing council members, um, enterprises, government, CBDC, woo, you know, this, 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 you know, boardroom world. And then there was this other world, which was, um, you know, NFTs, DeFi, applications, wallets, community, all these different types of things. And you could safely say, you know, arguably, even until now, a lot of growth on the network, um, a lot of value on the network was created by folks and entities in that other world, right? The the community world, not the enterprise kind of world. And they felt very far apart, right? It definitely felt like DHBAR Foundation and Hedera and Swirls were kind of a little bit out of touch with what was happening in the other little world. And in the other little world, we didn't really quite know what was going on in the other little world. It was too it was too disconnected. And I did say in that call that it's felt like those two worlds have come closer together, um, especially with that call in the Discord. Um, you know, it, it it does feel to me like again, some connective tissue is being formed between these two worlds, which is important. But there was a misstep, I'll say, recently regarding something pretty important. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it, it it is part of this theme of the community in some aspects being left out of the dark and becoming a little frustrated. Um, Nick tweets out on Twitter um, about the roadmap being updated and community nodes have been delayed until quarter two or quarter three on the new roadmap. And community nodes are really important because um Within the context of a community member, right, or even a prominent community member, talking to people about Hedera, um, a lot of the criticisms of Hedera is, oh, well, your only nodes in the network are run by these giant companies and that's centralized. Obviously, we know that is a kind of a moot point. Hedera is arguably just as or more decentralized than other layer ones out there, including blockchain and Ethereum. There's definitely arguments to be made the proofs in the pudding, et cetera. But obviously um, it was really great to now be able to say, listen, community nodes are coming, right? It's happening. We could see a community node for a project that we love on Hedera. And we were telling people that and it was getting people excited and it was helping quell some of those concerns. But without, you know, without that kind of communication to the community, um, we, you know, we look at the roadmap and we go, oh, well, that's no longer the case. Damn, you know, like we kind of have to figure it out a little bit. And I think that, you know, again, these things happen. Doing community nodes is a huge step that that needs so much due diligence. I don't think that Hedera has done anything wrong with this, except one thing, right? Um, they're doing everything that they can to do everything by the book make sure that they keep into account and, and factor in all of the different crazy things happening with regulations and everybody 
uh, all this wild west craziness happening in the crypto space. But again, that communication, that update, that um, that uh, alert needs to happen, right? Hadera needs to say, hey, listen, community, um, we're going to be doing this. Um, we're not going to be taking input. It's a done deal. But we wanted to let you know. Maybe we'll have a discussion about it. Here's some information as to why we did it versus just updating a web page and having people find out. I have to agree that that's a little frustrating, right? When when you as a community um, and us as a community of, of Hashgraph enthusiasts really try our best to stay up to date with what's happening and kind of just have an update, a major, major change to the roadmap made like this with really no specific alert to the community. It makes it tough. I get why it's frustrating. Um, and Christian Hasker from Squirrel has a great point. He says, quote, delays are frustrating for sure, but I know the dev team is really focused on paying back some tech debt to ensure it's a good experience for onboarding community nodes. And this step is super important for the ongoing decentralization of the project. Um, and uh, Nick responds, who shared the original message. He says, I hear it and appreciate the response, Christian. I know Hedera is working to make it happen and make it a good experience. I'm glad to hear your, you know, you echo the importance of community, blah, blah, blah. And um, Micah from uh, Swirls responds on Twitter. She's a DeFi girl. She says, um, we were just talking about this with the um, Hashgraph DeFi Alliance. I was in that meeting um, today. We hope to be more vocal and open to discussion in the future. Tune in because next week we'll be hosting a Twitter space to talk about smart contract rent. So um, I just wanted to highlight this conversation because it is one that continues to happen in Hedera. I do agree that Hedera continues to drop the ball in the HBAR Foundation when it comes to um, keeping, keeping in lockstep with the community. I think that the more in sync these two worlds can stay in sync, the faster things are going to be able to move. Um, and on one side, yeah, you know, I do feel in certain aspects, they fall short in the big picture. I think things are going really fantastic, but this is a really important thing that needs to be addressed. But I will say, having been a part of a lot of these conversations, um, especially, you know, when it comes to smart contract rent and stuff like that, um, there are people at Swirls, the HBAR foundation, Hedera that listen, that care, um, that are that are advocating for these points of view that make it up the chain. It's going to have um, significant impact on how things are done. So uh, I would say tune into Twitter Spaces uh, this week. It looks like they're going to be having a conversation about smart contract rent, and maybe this topic will be brought up too. But um, I will say, if anyone from the governing council or Swirls or Hedera is listening, um, you know, uh, an email list subscription to alert us of these changes. I I, I don't check my email. I, I'm not going to get it. Um, it would be awesome to get more notification or update or heads up about these things in the form of a Twitter space or just a tweet. If Hedera tweeted something out like, you know, uh, you know, we've come to the decision to uh, push back the release of community nodes. Here's a thread of, you know, why we need to do it. Um, all those types of things. It would just be super helpful. All we want, all the community wants to know is what's going on and why it's happening so we can pass on that information to other folks, right? But I will flip it over back now because 
the Hedera mainnet was upgraded in three minutes and nine seconds, uh, which is crazy. And when you look at enterprise use cases, um, they're going to like that. That's needed. Uh, you can't have crazy amounts of downtime. I remember Lehman Baird would mention that hopefully in the future, um, Hedera would be a network with you know zero downtime across the board. Now, again, that three minutes and nine seconds, the network wasn't like down, right? It was just in maintenance, things flipping over, stuff restarting, but nothing was on pause. Nothing got, the network didn't pause or anything like that. Um, I just mean so like completely seamless, you know, it's upgrades without a single hiccup. Lehman's talked about that. You know, we go from an hour to three minutes and nine seconds. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, let's talk a little bit about some recent governing council meeting minutes. Um, this is something I love about Hedera and the governance. Um, again, it's boring meeting minutes, snooze fest, but you know, what other crypto network regularly publishes meeting minutes, um, that are this kind of in depth um, with these kinds of organizations, like these aren't meeting minutes with, you know, this validator and that validator and this dev and that dev. No, these are meeting minutes with Fortune 500s talking about um, the, the Hedera network. And shout out to the HBAR Bull for highlighting these and snipping these out. Um, so in one section of the meeting minutes, um, Lehman Baird mentions, quote, uh, CoinCom, the coin, the, the uh, coin committee, proposed dividing transactions one-third to Hedera account, one-third to staking rewards account, and one-third to node rewards account, right? Obviously talking about, um, you know, how these uh, different transaction fees would be divided around. Um, also, too, uh, they also talked about 80% to a Hedera account to fund operational expenses, 10% to a staking rewards account, and 10% to a node rewards account. Um, so conversations continue when it comes to coin economics committee and stuff like that. But those are two interesting points. Also, too, uh, for the technical steering and product committee, another update from Dr. Lehman Baird was um, uh, there's four contemplated phases for expanding node hosting. So, again, going back to that community node discussion, and this colors that a little bit. Um, phase one, their goal is five community nodes. Phase two is 10 plus community nodes. Phase three is 20 plus community nodes. And phase four is permissionless nodes. So what they're outlining here is, um, you know, contemplated phases for thresholds of when we should have these permissionless nodes, right? Because community nodes are nodes for trusted entities that aren't necessarily on the governing council. And permissionless nodes are nodes that can be run by anybody. I could run a node. I could run a node. The it's Brandon D node. Would you stake to my node? I don't know. Does that sound dirty? I don't know. Phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. Um, yeah, we got, these are the thresholds that they're proposing. And tw after, again, it says here, phase three, once they reach 20 plus community nodes, they may go to permissionless nodes. Good to node. Um, also, to the membership committee report from Bill at Swirls and Simon at Magalu, um, Bill and Simon shared that Memcom's goal for 2023 is to nominate the remaining 11 council members to reach full capacity 
of 39 council members. So quickly rewind. What does that mean? So it doesn't mean that we're going to get 11 new council members by the end of the year. But what it does mean is their their goal is to um, nominate 11 council members by the end of 2023, right? So the goal by the end of 2023 is to have the upcoming 11 council members locked and loaded, obviously some of those to be announced this year, fingers crossed. Um, but that's the goal for 2023. Memcom is focused on objective criteria for industry diversity and will specifically target the energy and healthcare sectors. Last week, we talked about um, some healthcare partnerships that Hedera has formed, highlighted in a thread by a community member. Go to the previous episode to check that out of Hashgraph News and Rumors. But um, yeah, healthcare sector. Interesting. Interesting. Fortune 10. Hmm. Uh, also, too, membership committee. Uh, Simon summarized Memcom's recent activities as it works to recruit and evaluate prospective members to fill the 11 open council seats. Uh, you know, just kind of wrapping up on those discussions. Obviously, too, back to the Treasury Management and Coin Economics Committee, CoinCom, uh, with Lehman Baird from Swirls and Apollo from UCL. Uh, Lehman updated council members on the CoinCom's recent discussions regarding staking. Because staking contributes to the security of the network, CoinCom has analyzed staking rewards in depth. CoinCom has analyzed staking rewards on analogous DLT networks and compared their reward rates to Hedera's current reward weight. Uh, CoinCom has also considered likely TPS growth rate, account growth rate, and funding from outside sources to inform its staking recommendations. So, um, you know, uh, we do see now that CoinCom and, and Hedera in the Governing Council are are looking at and projecting certain growth with TPS and accounts and um, funding, all those different types of things. So it's very interesting to see. And they're factoring that into certain decisions when it comes to the tokenomics of Hedera. And um, another update from TechCom. Uh, since the last council meeting, TechCom has approved the following. Recommendation to the board to remove Hedera mainnet software beta label. This is big. If folks, you know, don't remember, Hedera has been in beta and is still in beta since the public network came to fruition. Um, we're still using a beta product. And um, the, uh, you know, there's now recommendation to the board to remove the beta label. Hedera is getting closer to going out of beta, which is exciting. Um, and also a last point from the recent Governing Council meeting minutes. Um, uh, Brett McDowell, chair of the board, thanked council member Google for offering to host the quarter two 2023 council meeting, which will take place uh, May 19th to 21st at the Google Cloud headquarters in Sunnyvale, California. Let's go, Google. What are you doing? Why does Google want everyone to come over to their house? Are they going to be doing a show and tell? Are they building something that they want? all the other governing council members to check out? Are they going to show something cool to their friends? We don't know. We have no idea. But we do know that everyone's going over to Google House for the governing council meeting for quarter two. Very cool. Very neat. Uh, okay. Uh, I, one last thing on the governing council. A Reddit post in the Hedera subreddit community from a community member 
uh, user Eliminator Dash N thirty six. Spooky username. They have broken down governing council member attendance rates. So this is really interesting. Um, so basically, they calculated um, all the past governing council meetings and broke down the percentage at, at which each governing council member attended those. So let's check the report card. Aberdeen has attended 100% of their governing council meetings. And again, this is the percentage calculated from when they become a governing council member and how many of those meetings did they attend since becoming a governing council member. Avery Dennison, 86%. Boeing, 96%. Chainlink, 50%. DBS, 36%. Dell, 100%. Dentons, 78%. Deutsche Telekom, 36%. DLA Piper, 100%. DLA Piper is an original governing council member. Straight A's across the board. Shout out. EDF, 78%. FIS, 89%. Google, 96%. Wow. IBM, 85%. ITT Madras, 50%. LG Electronics, 71%. LSE, 73%. Uh, Magazine Laosa, 100%. Nomura, 82%. ServiceNow, 79%. Shenhan Bank, 94%. Standard Bank, 66%. Swirls, 100%, of course. Tata Communication, 78%. Ubisoft, 27%. Ubisoft! What are you doing? 27%? You just became a governing council member. Feels like not a long ago. Actually, wait, it might have been a while ago. It's been a while. Yeah, get, the, get those numbers out, Ubisoft. UCL, 95%. WePro, 14%. Guys, WePro just phoning it in. Zane, 56%. So overall, decent, right? Pretty decent. Good stuff. Gold stars. Um, so Coinbase, SEC, spooky things happening, staking as a service, what's going on? So CEO of Coinbase put out a Twitter thread recently, basically saying he's hearing that the SEC is going to be coming after staking for crypto and without fail, everybody proceeded to freak the F out, freak the fuck out. And Basically, now that we have more clarity, we understand what this is actually about. So there's actually two types of staking, if we look at it simply. The first kind is just staking, right? You stake your HBAR account, your Hedera account to the network. Um, staking in a decentralized fashion on the actual DLT, right? Then there's staking as a service which is where you will go to an exchange like Coinbase or Kraken or any of these folks, and you will deposit your funds, and they will stake those funds on your behalf and give you rewards, uh, kind of acting like a middleman. And I don't know if you have a choice. Like I, I assume you have a choice. <clears throat> Personally, if I had stuff sitting on an exchange, it would be great if they just left it there. Um, but staking as a service, cool, earns you money, great. Wonderful. So the SEC goes, no, it's not great. It's not wonderful. We're we're gonna shut it down. And obviously Coinbase is, is pretty spooked. But <clears throat> is the SEC going to put their foot down on Hedera staking? No. Uh they're not gonna do that. 
they're basically what they're doing is they're looking at these centralized exchanges that may be offering staking as a service and doing a bunch of really weird stuff underneath to generate those rewards and all those different types of things. Um, and that is an interesting thing because obviously over 2022, we saw the, you know, a really big failure across the board when we, when, when it, you know, when it pertained to the centralized world of crypto, right? DeFi and decentralized aspects of crypto, relatively unscathed, relatively unscathed. Um, if there was an issue, it was there, them being affected by certain things happening um, with a centralized entity. But um, these centralized entities like Coinbase definitely continue to come under further scrutiny um, from the SEC. And you can argue whether it's warranted or not, but obviously what happened last year definitely, um, you know, caught the eye of the SEC that's looking for something to do. And, you know, you can argue about, you know, what the SEC should be doing. They definitely seem out of touch. Um, but if it is the case that they're going to be going after these predatory staking as a service or unsustainable staking as a service or non-consensual staking as a service, uh, services from these entities, I can understand that. And if they're not going to be meddling with native layer one decentralized staking and not viewing that as an issue and, and viewing that those mechanisms solely as a mechanism to secure these networks, um, you know, I can also get hip to that. Um, so we'll see what happens. I don't think there's any cause for alarm, but definitely keep an eye on this story. It's important because just after that dropped, um, we did see um, an update regarding uh, Kraken. Um, and I don't think I included it uh, in the Twitter thread here. But anyways, Kraken uh, had to pay fines to the SEC and they had to shut down their staking as a service platform. So uh, SEC is cracking down. Oh yeah, I did share it in the, uh, in the thread. I shared the actual SEC um, press release. So um, they have to pay 30 million to the SEC to settle charges and they have um, discontinued their unregistered offer and sale of crypto asset staking as a service platform. So there you go. Keep your eyes out. Be careful. Stay safe. Because uh, I don't know if the SEC will keep you safe, but they will try. <laughs> they will try. Um, and I'm nervous. But hey, what can we do? Ron Hedera. We're, we're, I think we'll be okay. As I said at the top of the show, Jesus, it's already almost two hours. Thank you for staying tuned in. I mean, this I'm doing this while the Super Bowl is happening. I don't know why all you guys are tuned in. These are some real hash graph enthusiasts. Um, as I said at the top of the show, tomorrow the Hedera Network is set to reach 4 billion transactions. Um, and we're rocking uh, like 50 million transactions a day. A day. So uh, that's going to be happening. Uh, also, too, massive breaking news uh, on the 10th. Uh, Hedera posted a meme. Um, I, you know, I, I haven't really seen something such as this before. I was shocked. Um, I think the entire world of HBAR was rocked to its core. Um, they did the objects and mirror are closer than they appear meme template um, with uh, 4 billion transactions quickly approaching. 
Um, Hedera posting a meme. Big news. That's big, big, big news, folks. Uh, we did also hear, as 2023 rolls on, from the Creators Galaxy, specifically Creators Galaxy Protocol. What is that? Well, it's a protocol um, of open source software for all sorts of different things, including their hatch pool service. And they've been very quiet. We've been following the Galaxy story. Um, they should be launching some stuff soon. But this dormant um, account on Twitter has come alive. The Creators Galaxy protocol is coming alive. They've got some stuff going on. Um, and they're launching some different things like Hash Pool. Uh, they're launching a Hash Pool Explorer. They're launching a key rotation utility because you can rotate your private keys on Hedera. You can give yourself new private keys, which is great. And uh, that update is in the Twitter thread. Go check it out. Uh, fun fact is the, the the actual creator's Galaxy platform uses this protocol. So it's very cool. Um, also, too, um, we did see the Atma IO account from Avery Dennison has been topped off with HBAR, which is good to see. That account um, was initially funded at 2.3 million HBAR. Um, and they whittled it down to 500,000 HBAR. And obviously this account is used to pay for these transactions, right? These 50 million daily transactions. Um, and uh, they just funded the account with another 725,000 HBAR, bringing it back up to 1.2 million as of February 7th. Um, and of course, this is subsidized currently by the HBAR Foundation. Uh, but soon, hopefully, uh, we will be seeing... Um, Atma IO and Avery Dennison running under its own steam. Uh, but it's good to see. The use case is chooching along. They got their bag packed. They're ready to go. Um, also, too, we have some more uh, clarity um, in regards to the community nodes and why they were delayed on the roadmap, because I think it's definitely on a lot of people's minds. Um, so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about this. Um, so... Uh, Mosin from Hedera in response, um, and I don't know exactly who this is. Let's look, let's look up exactly who this is. Um, and maybe Patrick, who tweeted this, said it in the tweet. No, I don't see. Let me see if I can find this person on LinkedIn. M-O-H-S-I-N. Uh, M-O-H-S-I-N. Uh, what's your last name? No last name. Hedera. So uh, Mosin is the is a uh, product leader, data science, yada, yada, yada. He's at uh, Hedera. Um, so yeah, he's at Hedera. And basically what he says is this. When we sit down for the roadmap planning and what impact we want to deliver, there are non-negotiable priorities such as security, reliability, availability, accuracy, etc. Then we have a goal to make Hedera the best ledger to build on. Here, my mental model is we need to look at functionality, scale, developer user experience, and decentralization. Every bucket is important. So with finite time and resources, you want to advance against all of these. This may lead to reprioritization, especially given that problems we are trying to solve are complex given the scale and throughputs. On top of that, you have regulatory and policy objectives. These need to align and sometimes, unfortunately, takes longer than we had anticipated. Makes sense. Um, there is an assumption that we go from council nodes to thousands of permissionless nodes in a go. We need to work on the enabling components first. Example, tooling to support 
node operators, dynamic discovery of nodes by SDKs, support of these nodes on mirror nodes, extending staking and economics for these operators, strengthening against malicious node operators, etc. Also, as Lehman shared, increases in nodes do not provide a linear benefit function. Finally, there is a whole legal and regulatory aspect of things. We cannot be callous. The team has been working on this for a couple of quarters, and we expect to start making our works public soon. It would have been awesome to know that before the roadmap was updated, but I appreciate that. That's amazing. And that's just another way the Hedera team's improving. It's in the Discord, and they're communicating with the community. That's important. So baby steps. I love it. That's great to see. And that was a good follow-up to the news and uh, the roadmap update and all that good stuff. Um, also, uh, 23 hours ago, I just highlighted a tweet from Patches from Turtle Moon Command Center that HBAR passed 10 cents on Coinbase. Coinbase was seeing some wonky price action with HBAR, so not quite sure why, but, you know. And also, too, um, this brings us to our last story of the day. And it's something that was posted eight hours ago that I found very interesting. And I'll read you the headline. Shopify launches comprehensive blockchain suite for merchants. E-commerce giant Shopify. And, you know, fun fact, I am in Ottawa, Canada, the Shopify capital of the world. The Shopify headquarters used to be here before they went full remote. But there's a ton of Shopify folks here. E-commerce giant Shopify has launched its new blockchain suite of products for merchants. This development is expected to improve user experience on Web3-based stores hosted on Shopify. In addition, merchants can utilize token gating and leveraging new features on the expanded wallet ecosystem. What? What is going on at Shopify? Tokenized e-commerce? Token gating? Wallet ecosystem? What's going on? I want in on that party. That seems exciting. So yeah. Uh, Shopify is uh, doing some stuff with Web3. Um, and I was reading through the article and I was seeing a lot of, you know, um, Shopify. Here, I'll just read you another quick quote. Shopify has expanded the Crypto Wallet Connect feature by integrating the Ethereum SIWE protocol, sign in with Ethereum as a standard way for ERC-20, yada, 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 ENS domain owners, all those kinds of things. So I was like, very cool, awesome, great. Shopify is doing some Web3 stuff. What about... Hedera, where does Hedera fit on this? Scroll down to the bottom of the article and the very last sentence, very last sentence, quote, finally, Shopify is exploring new blockchain technologies and developing its solutions with its partnership with Hedera Hashgraph. What does that mean? I have no idea what it means. I haven't seen anything about this. I have no idea even what this website is. Bitcoinist. This was published on Bitcoinist. So this is the first article I've seen about this. This is a story I'm going to be watching closely. Um, and it does appear, according to Bitcoinist, that Shopify is exploring new blockchain technologies and developing its solutions with its partnership with Hedera Hashgraph. Wow. So um, Shopify, Hedera, uh, all these different types of things. And I mean... All the things we covered today. I mean, we we talked about Dell joining the governing council. Um, we talked with Andy from Citadel Wallet, aka HBAR to the Moon, about hardware wallets coming to Adara. Uh, we talked about um, you know Mastercard payments being written to the Hedera network. We talked about Dovu partnerships. We talked about 
um, community nodes. We talked about uh, governing council meeting minutes. Google's going to be hosting the next meeting. Um, we talked about Coinbase, the SEC. We talked about memes. We talked about um, DH bar price. We talked about uh, all sorts of different things. It's been a crazy week. It's been a big, big week. We're one minute away from two hours. Um, and, you know, another week behind us and another week ahead. A huge shout out to everyone listening live on the Twitter spaces right now. And an extra shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you may find yourself. If you have a moment, give the show a rating and review on your favorite platform. It helps a lot. Um, and thank you again to Andy, aka H Bart's the Moon from Citadel Wallet for the awesome interview. Learned a bunch, lots to uh, think about when it comes to hardware wallets. A new hardware wallet coming in the fall, specifically for Adara. Um, and you know the theme of the show: two down, one to go. I think that really it's like, what is that? You know, what am I talking about? Who's the next governing council member? Who's it going to be? Like, um, there's so many different predictions out there. Uh, we've talked at length about all of these different people it could be. We still also have a Fortune 10 use case to look forward to that Lehman talked about, um, feels like forever ago. Um, and, you know, there's use cases popping up left and right. HBAR is doing some interesting moves. You know, things feel good, but, you know, um, it's hard to figure out exactly why it's happening and what exactly is going on. Um, it gives me the same feeling that I had. Let me let me real quick open up the HBAR charts. Uh, the HBAR charts are handy because for me, um, when I look at the price of HBAR over periods of time, I can almost go back in my mind as to how I felt at specific times. And one particular memory come, comes to mind for me. It was, um, it was March, yeah, March 1st, 2021. And for the first time, I really was like, I have no clue what's happening with this thing because we took a ride from three cents up to 12 cents, right? It feels pretty similar to what's happening right now. And we took a ride up to 45 cents. Right. And I really did feel like I had no clue what was happening. But of course, as we tapered down and, you know, rode things out um, and we look back at the, you know, the spring of 2022 and riding through up until now, we started to see the maturing of Hedera, the community, um, the H bar foundation swirls, um, you know, you know, Manson Lehman left Swirls, um, or sorry, left Hedera for Swirls. All these changes happened. And all these different use cases started propping up. We had the NFT space prop up. We had the DeFi space prop up. We had all these different things come up. And we started to really dive into the minutia of everything, get a little closer to the surface. Things were pretty quiet in Hedera land, and it was mostly a focus on building and major milestones. And it was very exciting in our little bubble, but in the crypto space, things were kind of down, stagnant, bad things were happening. But we, you know, I did feel like I had a good idea of what was happening, right? Things were coming out. You were seeing news come out. 
Um, very often in these spaces, I'd be talking about kind of this common thread that was happening um, and things we could expect. But this week, um, you know, Dell, boom, out of nowhere, all these other different announcements, crazy stuff, HBAR price, what's going on? I'm starting to get that feeling again where I, I, I'm starting to have less of an idea of what's actually happening. And it's exciting. That part of my brain is switching on um, that was switched on. Um, you know, back in the, back at the, you know, in March of, uh, 2021, right. I feel it a little bit. I feel that excitement. I feel that uncertainty. Um, and, um, we're just going to have to keep an eye on stuff. I mean, the consensus in the broader crypto ecosystem is it's a bear market, right? Things are down. Everything's red. H bar is green. It's great. It's fun. Are we going to see a correction? I don't know. You really, I, I truly feel like, I need to I need to really pay attention to what's happening. So um, that's what I'll say is, you know, I ended last year saying, you know, take a step back, take a breather, um, go out, learn some stuff. But with what's been going on, maybe pop open those charts, right? Maybe pay a little closer attention to the news. There's a great resource, Metrica. It's a dashboard where you can monitor activity on the main net. Reminder, Lehman said, you know, what's happening on the test net is going to happen on the main net someday. So, you know, now's the time where I'm feeling a little bit lost, a little bit. Uh, I don't really understand what's going on. I'm going to be paying closer attention. I'm going to be spending more time understanding what's happening because I feel that things are going to be happening fast and these spaces are going to continue getting longer. Uh, so, uh, you know, I will say that. Um, and you know, thank you so much for tuning into Hashgraphs News and Rumors, episode sixty-four, two down, one to go. Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at seven p.m. Eastern, four p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Every Monday, that was a big announcement too. The podcast is out there. I'm I'm so excited. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Make sure to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community to share your insights, ask questions, and invite new friends. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, feel free to send an hbar donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. I really appreciate all you guys tuning in, especially during the Super Bowl. And I'll see you live on Twitter Spaces next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. For everyone listening live now, I'm going to keep the spaces open for a few more moments so you can all follow each other, stay connected. If you see someone you don't recognize, give them a follow. They may be a fellow Hashgraph enthusiast. And if you see someone you recognize that you do follow, but you haven't talked to them in a bit, hit their profile picture, shoot them a message, say, hey, what's up? What are you working on? What's going on? Let's stay connected. And with that, Thank you so much, everybody, and I'll see you next Sunday.